So we're starting a new sermon series today called Signs of Greatness. Signs of Greatness. And we're going to be walking through the Gospel of John, just just watching what unfolds with Jesus Christ, who he is, these seven miracles that he performs, and what they say about his power. And today we're going to launch with him as he talks with his disciples about some of that power and about some of what he's revealed. And You know, there's disbelief. And then there's belief, right? There's the, I don't get it, and I'm not leaning on him, and I'm not going anywhere near that. And then there's, all right, I totally get who he is, and I'm going after him. But but then there's also belief, and then there's like, I'm all in, fully getting it belief. And, and so there's there's growth that we can have along the way. And And as we go through this series, my prayer for all of us is that wherever we are, we're ready to take that next step. In believing him with our whole heart and soul and mind. You know, as we get started today, before we dive into the passage, I just want to kind of set the tone, set the context, okay? So we're going to do this through a little role play. I'm going to be a, I don't know. I'm going to be a, a, the first person character of a guy who was a disciple. He was in that time, at that place. He experienced that day with Jesus Christ that Sunday morning. Probably went something like this. Yeah, I remember that Sunday morning. I'll never forget that Sunday morning. I'm telling you, the weeks before that, the years before that, were set up with Jesus being the most amazing speaker I'd ever heard. The most powerful person I'd ever seen. He touched someone, and they were healed right there. People started following him from everywhere. Throngs and throngs of people. I was thrilled to be a part of that and as a matter of fact i thought i knew what was going on i would have called him messiah and king and i was expecting him to take over and then all of a sudden friday came and he's captive he's a prisoner i can't even see him for a good number of hours and the next time i see him he's been beaten and and he's got a crown of thorns on him and his back is just ripped wide open and blood is coming off and he doesn't even have the energy to carry the cross up to the place where they're going to humiliate him beyond all humiliation. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't get it. I was absolutely devastated, stunned, confused. And as I stood there and watched all day long in this crucifixion and I, I saw them take a hammer and hit the spike. And as he hit the spike, I, I'm telling you, I heard this whang that went down. And I about cringed myself. And then the next bang. And I'm seeing Jesus himself writhe with pain as the nails are driven into him and And then they raise up this cross and drop this cross down in. And I see it go. And his body just shivers with the pain. And he's now hanging there for his final breaths. You know, at the end of the day, they ended up taking a spear and shoving it into his side. And water came out. Not blood. He wasn't even alive anymore. And as they took him off the cross, I just slunk away into the crowd. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know what's happening. 
that Sunday morning, three days later, we gathered together to basically say, now what? I've got people accusing me of being with him. How about you? And, and we're hanging together in fear and we're hanging together shaking and nervous and not sure which way to go. And, and all of a sudden, right then and there, bang. I mean, right in the middle of us, the whole room lit up and Jesus Christ standing among us. And he says, peace be with you. I'm glad he said peace as he was standing there with us. And we were listening to what he had to say and he began to bring hope and, and joy and, and, and he turns his hands outward and he shows us the marks and he shows us his side and he says, I'm alive. It's me. I'm telling you, this was the plan the whole time. Every one of us had a look kind of like, really? We didn't catch that. He's like, I know that's the whole problem. That's what I'm here for. And we're going to try to build together strength and confidence in you. Now you wouldn't believe where we're headed next. And he sat and he ate bread with us and he talked with us. He breathed on us and the Holy Spirit came upon us like I've never experienced in my life. He said, you now have discernment, discernment that when you're seeing a heart that's open to me, you can say you're forgiven and I, you will be forgiven. You can say they're not forgiven because you're sensing a hard heart and they, they won't be forgiven got to work through you that's what's going to be happening next man it was an amazing time that last week running around sharing that he is alive he's alive i'm telling you he's alive there is nothing that will stop me from saying it my god is alive and i'm worshiping him with all i've got that's the message we've been sharing That's the lead in to the passage we're going to be looking at today. All right. So we're going to have the ushers coming forward and they're going to have Bibles in their hands. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. And uh, you know what? We're just looking at the title of today is devastating blows to disbelief. Let's just say it this way. God has a great plan to awaken our hearts. To believe in him a great plan to awaken us what is that plan and, and lord what can i do to believe and help me to see it your way lord in your time and your place all right john chapter 20 verses 24 to 31 if you need a bible just keep your hand raised the ushers will get to you okay we're going to walk verse by verse through this john 20 verse 24 and the first step here the first point that we see testimony others have Others have seen him and been rocked by him. Just let that settle. There are people who are witnesses to Jesus Christ, him being risen from the dead, him having power almighty. Others have seen him and been rocked by him. They trust him, lean on him. So what can we learn from the testimony? Check this out, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Everybody say bummer. Bummer. You can say it louder. Ready? Bummer. Are you kidding me? They're running around all week long like he's alive and and we saw him. And Thomas is like, yeah, I wasn't there. I kind of missed out on that one. Have you ever been that guy? Have you ever missed out on that big party or that big event where everybody's talking about it afterwards and you're like, whatever. I wasn't there for it. I don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? That's where Thomas was at. 
Notice it says that he was one of the 12. He hung with Jesus for three years. He was walking with him. He was seeing him move. He was seeing him speak. He was seeing the power come out of him as God Almighty moved on this earth. Thomas, called the twin. Some of your uh, versions say Didymus there. That, that's the Greek word for the twin, okay? The lookalike. Apparently, he had another one that looked just like him, okay? Said that he wasn't with them when Jesus came. He missed out on the big opportunity. So the disciples, well, they did what they were asked to do, right? The disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, right? They didn't just say it once. In fact, it says there they told him, but in the original language, it says they kept saying, New American Standard, best translation there. They kept saying. They wouldn't stop talking about it. Every time he saw one of them, he's like, hey, how's it going? You know the Lord's risen. I know. I've heard. I've heard, okay? They kept telling and telling and telling, finally to the point where Thomas had an answer. Thomas's response, he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of of those nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. A little bit of social rebellion going on here, right? Thomas is like, I'm sorry. I'm glad you had such a great experience, but I have had not had such experience. Okay? So I'm not buying into it. I'm not going with it. And I'm not going to hear of it. The testimony that they were sharing was beginning to stir him. And he was trying to say, Lord, I need to hear from you testimony it's an amazing opportunity for us to hear what others have seen and you know if you look at this passage it's much like a court of law right if we're trying to figure something out we bring a witness in and we ask that witness to share what he's seen and if that witness can stand up under the scrutiny then we say we've learned something and if you bring one witness that's great but you bring two or three hey that's awesome Like now we're starting to get some clarity here, right? Then you go beyond two or three witnesses and you get 500 plus witnesses, which is where we are with the resurrection of Christ. We have absolute certainty through testimony that he is risen. Jesus Christ alive. Testimony has great power in our community and in our society. Do you know that? Just turn on the TV. Watch every commercial. Have you noticed what the the job is? They state what it's about, and then they bring in the testimony, right? Like, watch some of these diet programs, you know, the P90X and the Insanity program, right? And they talk about what it does and what it is and what it's for and that you get ripped, and then they show some guy that's absolutely ridiculously ripped, right? And, and he's like the owner of it, and you're like, whatever, you're just trying to make money. And then they show guys after it, and they got the before and after pictures, you know. And the before picture is like, they're just way overweight, and they're turning sideways. They haven't tanned in like nine years. You know what I'm talking about? They're just pure white, right? And they've got this look on their face like, this is not good. You know what I mean? And they're just kind of slunching as much as they can, right? And they're trying to say, this is where I was. But this is where I am. And and then all of a sudden, 60 days later, I mean, they are chiseled. And they have this six-pack abs, and they're somehow they've tanned in the middle of it. I don't know how that happened. It wasn't in the diet program. But they're tanned, and they're ripped, and they're in shape, and they're smiling, and they're happy, right? And you're like, I want to be that guy. (laughs) Testimony works. 
because we see somebody else and what they've gone through and it helps us to get clarity as to what we might be able to see ourselves. Testimony, it's a big deal. There are a ton of testimonies about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. There are a lot of testimonies in this room about God at work in our lives. We know the almighty savior and we have a chance to share him with all power and all passion that others might be able to grasp a little bit of the joy you've already received. So here's my simple question. Who can you learn from? Who do you know where you might be able to hear more of a testimony of Jesus Christ at work? Like who can you listen to where they can say, this is how it can go. This is what you can have in your life. Testimony. Who can you listen to? And maybe you're on fire already. And well, maybe this is the question then. Who's God asking you to share with? Who can you be turning to to be able to share the greatness of our almighty God? And be able to share a little bit of what he's doing in an amazing way in your life. And help them to understand better who this God can be. Hey, when God steps in to deliver a devastating blow to disbelief, one of the first ways he does it is through the words of a friend or a family member. As they make clear what they're experiencing in him. Testimony. It's a powerful tool in moving us towards God Almighty. Second, personal experience. Jesus will invade our disbelief. Respond when he does. Jesus will invade our disbelief. Respond when he does. That's what personal experience is all about. Lord, show me you. I'm ready to see you. Check this out. He says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Eight days later. So the first time around, it was on the Sunday right after he had been crucified, right? So it was Easter Sunday. Now it's eight days later. So it's the next Sunday plus a day. So now we're at Monday, right? So it's a Monday a week ago that Christ was crucified and found risen. Eight days later, and check what's happening this time. His disciples were inside again. They had gathered together again. And Thomas was with them. Do you think? Hey, we're getting together again, Thomas. You want to come? I'm not missing this one, right? Absolutely no way I'm going to miss out on that. 100% guaranteed I'm going to be there. Was the testimony stirring him? Was the testimony stirring him? It's okay to talk out loud. Was the testimony stirring him? Yeah, I mean, he's hearing what they have to say, and he's moving with it. I, I want to know what's going on. I want to be there. I don't want to miss out. And The pressure, in fact, had probably mounted because a lot of sharing had gone on about who this Jesus Christ is. And he is risen. And it was going all over in that community. And and so, in fact, if you notice, not only was Thomas with them, but they did something right after it. The doors were locked because the testimony had been shared and the stir was out. And people were like, I think they're one of them. And and some of the pressure had started coming. And so they went, you're in, you're in, you're in. Lock that door. Like, we need to have a talk here. And we got to have a little meeting about what's going on. And door's locked. We're safe. It's time for us to talk a little bit real about what's going on and what we're experiencing. What an amazing moment for these group of disciples to begin to talk with one another about what they've been experiencing that last week. Notice it says again now, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus came again. 
Here he is, door locked, somehow right in the middle of them. They're all kind of talking and milling and chatting. And all of a sudden, bam, Jesus is right there amongst them again. And they're like, how do you get in? Who is that guy? And is that, I think that, I think it is. It's Jesus. And then he starts to walk right over to Thomas. He picks him out, walks over and shows him his hands and says, go ahead, take a look. Look at the marks. Look at my side. Jesus Christ, knowing exactly what Thomas's request was, he says, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Hey, Thomas, here I am right here with you. Thomas answered. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, so Thomas reached out and touched him. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, so Thomas is like, let me see that. Show me a little closer, please. Light. Give me a light. I got to see this. Right? Is that what he does? No. Thomas answers him and he has one answer. My Lord and my God. Notice it's not just Lord and God. My Lord. My God. My disbelief is done. My doubting is over. I have met you face to face. I have seen you as the risen king. I have personal experience of you in my life. And I do believe you are my king. You're in charge of my life, Lord. What do you want done? My Lord and my God. You know, when our heart is stirred by him, when we have a chance to see him as he is, we're never the same again. In this case, Thomas turned to belief in that moment. Belief. What is belief? What does it really mean? And I was looking that up this week and I found a great explanation. Belief. Uh, this was done by a guy in the Pacific, the missionary in the South Pacific. And he was trying to translate to one of those island languages. And he was trying to come up with a way to describe belief because they didn't really have a word for belief in their language. So this is how he described it. To lean on with your whole weight. Let that settle. To lean on with your whole weight, the word believe. In other words, like, I'm not just kind of standing next to you, touching you. I'm not just leaning a little bit where if you stepped out of the way, I could catch myself. But I am leaning on with my whole weight where if you disappeared, I go down. It's all you. It's none of me. When you move out of the way, I'm lost. Belief. To lean on with your whole weight. That's where Thomas is at now. My Lord and my God. Notice Jesus has a little statement after it. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's you. That's me. The chance for us to literally experience the spiritual moving of God Almighty in our lives and to be able to say, surely he is alive. Surely he is the king of the universe. That's my God. Now, that's an amazing opportunity. And we have the chance to say that not because we've seen his marks, but because we're experiencing him in our lives as he stirs and moves. Personal experience, it literally changes Everything. I'm not sure how to get that. How do I go about getting this personal experience with God that will change my life? Okay, five steps to 
getting that to having a strong faith. Number one, long to believe in him. Long to believe. Like, Lord, I really want this. If it's real, if it's not real, then I don't want it. And I'm willing to set it aside. But if you are king, then I want to believe. We need to first put ourselves in that position where we long to believe. It's Lord, invade my disbelief. That's the prayer you're doing there. Seriously, Lord, I have a disbelief, invade it. That's what we mean by longing to believe. I'm ready to see change in my heart that you might be glorified. Help me to lean on you, okay? That's longing to believe. Number two, be humble. Be humble. Uh, I know I'm not God. I know I'm not God. Are we ready to admit that? Are we ready to admit that? Verbal talk. Good. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those easy moments. Like, okay, I'm not in charge of the universe and I didn't speak it into existence. I can grasp that. Now, what does that impact? That means you're in charge, not me. Lord, I put myself under you. I'm humbled before you. Long to believe, be humble. Number three, get ready. This is the big one. Be real. Be real. Like, here's my struggle, Lord. This is where I'm hit a brick wall in my belief. I'm not sure what's going on. I got a question in this area. And what do I do with, be real. Thomas, he was like, unless I see, unless I touch. Now, actually, he kind of probably was a little bit wrong about his own need. He was like, I have to see it. And I, I have to touch it. Actually, I only have to see it. Right? That's where he really was. All he had to do was see. And he was like, forget it. You're, lo- you're Lord. You're God. I'm done. I don't need to do any touching now. I'm good. And, and, and so oftentimes we may not quite get what we need, but be real with him. Like, Lord, here's where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. And, and maybe I'm wrong on some things. And maybe I need to get realigned on some things. And I'm totally willing to have that happen that you might get the greater glory. But Lord, here's where I'm stuck. Just be real. Note this when you do that. Don't turn it back around to yourself. It's easy as we get real to say, if you want me to believe in you, then you're going to have to. All right, do you hear it? And all of a sudden we drop the be humble role. That's why we put that before it. Like, Lord, help me humbly to find you as you show yourself to me. So long to believe. Be humble. Be real. Here's the fourth one. Be a student. Hey, when you start asking God to show you, he probably is starting to show you. You better start looking around. You better start listening to the word. You better start seeing what he has to say and what he's doing and how circumstances are lining up and what is your God doing in your life. Be a student. God's stirring. Teach me, Lord, and keep my eyes open while you do that I might see you fully and holy for who you are. Long to believe, be humble, be real, be a student. And number five, respond as he reveals. Respond as he reveals. There is nothing like having your heart stirred by God Almighty. Nothing. Long for that, look for that, pray for that. I guarantee you, you today say, Lord, I want to see you for who you are. And I want nothing in between me and you. And I'm willing for anything to go that I might see you. But I want to see you for who you are. God's going to stir. That's what it's all about. Longing for him with all we've got. You know, I have to tell you, 
when I was in my 30s, um, I was in engineering and I uh, was having a blast. It was the 1990s, and so I was uh, uh, I was trading stocks and playing around, and you know, I was doing the stock trades and the option trades and playing the spreads. And hey, you could do anything, and you make money in the 90s. Everything was going up, you know. So we thought we were great. We were really morons. We were just putting it in a market that was always going up. You know what I mean? And so we were having fun playing around with investing. And, you know, when God says, hey, you can't serve both God and money, he's not kidding. And my passion for Christ and my strength of belief just sort of started waning. And really doubts started to creep in at higher levels on things. And it's because I let the distractions of the world become my primary. And in the midst of it, I was wrestling with some doubts. And, you know, what turned it around? Well, some personal experience things like we're talking about in the second point. I have to tell you, we started attending Harvest Bible Chapel in Naperville. And and uh, the first few times we were there in worship, I'm just in tears. And I can't even explain exactly why, but there was a passion and a power. And, and the Holy Spirit's moving. And these songs are so directed. And, and I can't wait to get back the next week. And that's what was going on for us. And I started to experience something very different and very real in that. And... and uh, it's an amazing moment. You know how we talk about church? A lot of times we talk about church as mental ascent and then a bunch of moral effort. Church. Gag. That is not church, okay? And when we talk about it that way, we create nothing but a dead environment. Mental ascent and moral effort. It's all about me. Like, that's not church. And, and all of a sudden, I started to see church for what it was. A place of power as God moved, as he alone was worshipped and started stirring in me. And we got really excited about going on towards uh, ministry. And I actually uh, was at Moody taking some grad school stuff. And I was teaching at Harvest, uh, teaching a new believers class. And we actually had a guy accept Christ there. Never seen somebody move through a transformation like that where he came going, I got questions. And then he had his questions kind of answered as he looked into the word and looked around. And he goes, I don't have any more questions. I'm good now. And he committed his life to Christ. And, and just seeing change. And I'm like, that's what it's all about? Now, now that's getting me excited. So we decide we're going into ministry. We're going to go in full time. We don't know what it means. How do you drop engineering and stay in Naperville? And the pay differences are kind of different. How is this going to work out? And, and so what we did is we started living on as small a budget as we could. Saying, Lord, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to live on as small a budget as we possibly can. And uh, we picked a number, and we picked, got on it, and it was working. So we went a little tighter, and a little, and we got as tight as we could go. We're like, I ain't going any tighter than that. I'm telling you that much. Like, that's as tight as it can be. Work kind of came to a calm, and there wasn't much to do right then, which was weird. In all the 17 years that I'd been there, that had never happened. Three days later, I get a phone call from the church. Hey, we're looking to hire full-time, and you've been doing some stuff for us part-time. We were wondering if you'd want to take that job. And as we start talking more about this full-time job and the timing of it, then I ask the deadly question. So I have to ask, how, how much is it going to pay? Because we're living in Naperville, man, and we got to figure that out. And they gave a number. It was exactly the number we were living on. Exactly the number. Let me say it again. Exactly the number. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Are you kidding? We should have lived on more. You know? <laughs> Right. God stirs. 
And as I came home to talk to John about this opportunity and what was there and the timing of it and the amounts of it and the and how it was all lining up. And I'm telling you, we had goosebumps and we're like, God's moving in this thing. We serve a risen Savior, a living God, a moving God, a transforming God. And he works in our lives. Amen. Hey, that's what it's all about. Amen. Deserves applause. Amen. Man, my prayer for you is that you experience that God. The God that moves in your life so much you can't help but serve him with all you have. That anything and everything is less because he's so much. That's our God. My prayer is that that personal experience blow you away. God taking devastating blows to our disbelief. First with the testimony of others and second with personal experience. Are you ready for your walk to have that personal experience? Are you ready for God to transform your believing and your thinking to higher levels? Like, I already believe and I'm pretty strong in it. Hey, one degree of glory to another. There's always more. There's always more belief in him and more trust in him. Are you ready to hand it all over to him that he might be your great God? That's the question. And then the third step, his word. Jesus left signs of his greatness. Listen to them. Jesus left signs of his greatness. Listen to them. This is what we're going to be going over for the next seven weeks here in this series. We're going to be going over the seven miracles that Jesus performed. Why? Well, here's why. Take a look at verse 30. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Can you imagine? I mean, he recorded a ton of miracles and statements. But whatever was recorded here... He recorded it saying, well, these are the ones that seem to really rock me and rock the people around me. There's millions of others that, I mean, every day as Jesus shared and wow, what an awesome privilege to have seen that and been a part of that. He says, yeah, there were other signs. Those aren't recorded here, but these are recorded. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Hey, these are recorded that you might believe that Jesus is the son of God. That you might believe. Devastating blow to disbelief. Is the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. His almighty authority and power in this world. Who is he? How great is he? And what is he doing? That's my God. Lord, may I know you that way. As we see him working here through these Ministries through these miracles, we can actually take a deep breath and personalize. Like, God, who are you in my life? And what are you doing? And what are you saying? The stuff that you have recorded in your word is amazing. Lord, may I get to know you through your word. May you come to life as I read your word. Does that really happen? I mean, come on, is that a real story that we can read the Bible and get to know Jesus? Okay, I'm glad you asked. So this past week, we were at a party on a Sunday night, and uh, John and I had ridden our bikes over. And uh, it was nice to just kick back there and talk. It was gorgeous weather, and so we were just uh, enjoying that beautiful sunshine on a Sunday afternoon. And, and uh, somebody got to share in their testimony. And she basically said, look, I was caught up in the things of the world. Uh, my whole family, like nobody really knew that much about 
who Jesus Christ was and certainly nobody was trusting in him. And, and so it was all kind of a worldly run. And, and that's where I was at. Just drinking deep of the things of the world. Everything was about the here and now. And that's, that's all I did. And all of a sudden I kind of got into this. I don't know. It seems like there should be something more than that. And, and so she picked up a Gideon Bible. A Gideon Bible, okay? She opens it up, and I love these phrases. She says, as I'm reading through the word, I found the book of Proverbs to be life-changing for me because I saw me in Proverbs. As I looked, I saw the mistakes, and I saw the stuff that I shouldn't be running after, and I saw the hopelessness of it, and I was like, that's so me! Like, that's where I'm at, as she read Proverbs. And then... She moved over to reading the Gospel of John. Well, what made her pick the Gospel of John? You know, the book that's written that you might believe. We just read that, right? What made her pick the Gospel of John? I don't know. I had a relative named John. And I thought, that's a cool name. I'll start there. That's how God works. The humor of it all is he says, you want John. Why? Think of your grandpa. Right? And so she goes to the Gospel of John, and she starts reading through the Gospel of John. And as she's reading through and being amazed by who Jesus Christ is, she says, that's so not me. That's amazing who he is. And by the time she gets to John chapter 10, she's like, that's it. Like, I totally understand how great he is. I want to give him my life. I'm done with this. And she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And she became saved. She became a child of his, adopted. She became a new creation. Why? Because of the power of his word revealing the ridiculousness of the worldly stuff in us and the greatness of our God. Amen? The power of the word. That's why one of our pillars is proclaiming the word of God without apology. Every week when we get up here, we will be walking through the word of God. Why? Because he moves through his word. Amen? That's what I'm excited about. And as we celebrate him on Easter Sunday, as we celebrate that he is risen, we can celebrate his greatness through testimony, through personal experience, through his word, as we grasp how great he is. That's our God. You know, I'm just going to ask the worship team to come on up. It's going to be a little distracting. That's okay. We're going to ask the worship team to come on up. And as they're getting in place, that includes the choir. So we've got a lot of people moving. You can go ahead and put your stuff away. But listen to these phrases. His greatness. His greatness. Made clear through the testimony of others. His greatness made clear through personal experiences. You and me truly can grasp his greatness through our personal experiences with him. His greatness made clear as we read the word. His greatness as we read the word, seeing Jesus Christ handling doctrine, handling sickness, handling hearts, Turning people towards him for all of eternity. His greatness. Jesus Christ as creator and sustainer. As provider. As almighty savior in our lives. Jesus Christ. With the unmatched love. Of him coming to the cross. That's our king. And his greatness. Amen. 
His greatness is seen at the cross of Calvary. His greatness as he comes again, returning as almighty king, returning on a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth to take captive everything underneath him. An epic moment of Jesus Christ being placed as redeemer and savior and almighty king. We truly serve a great God. We truly serve a God who deserves everything we've got. May we lean on him with our whole weight. That's our request. May we lean on him with our whole weight. Just say that phrase with me. Lean on him with our whole weight. One more time. Lean on him with our whole weight. Why? Because he is great. I'm telling you this. We have a God who came. Yes, he was the sacrificial savior. We have a God who is coming. He will be absolute authority, redeeming king, almighty savior for all of eternity. We have a king. He is risen. He's alive. And we can worship him with all we've got. Amen. All right. Do me one favor. Everybody stand up. All right.